Hi everyone, my name is Andreas Feiner and I would like to welcome you to our podcast, Important Problems. Together with my wonderful guests, we will address urgent problems such as sustainability, nature and mental health and how we can tackle them. Our aim is to show you that everyone can solve important problems. Hello, everyone. Today, we are sharing our conversation with Fritjof Detzner. Fritjof is an entrepreneur with a purpose. First, he founded Jimdo, a company to build websites when building websites was not a thing for the masses. After he stepped down from his day-to-day -day business, he took some time off to travel the world to explore the most important problems we all face. Climate change, social topics, as well as waste are only some examples. This led him to set up Planet A, a venture fund tackling climate change. But now, without further ado, let's dive right into the conversation with Fritjof Detzner. Hi, Fritjof. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to, to our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Andreas. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Fritjof, uh, a complicated name. Some people call me just free. Um, I've started my first business when I was 16, uh, still in school. That was fun, um, building an, an online platform so everybody can create and update their own website and online shop. And I did that for quite a while, 18 years, scaled it from three boys on a farm to 300 people worldwide. And yeah, after that period, um, I got asked to travel the world. And, uh, and so I did uh, 10 episodes of a TV documentary visiting founders around the world, learning about the state of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And um, after that period, I am basically based on, on, on the experience I had uh, during that travel, I um, co-founded a green tech investment company investing into hard and software startups where science has the power to veto any deal, which is interesting. Probably we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, so probably about all of the three, um, if we, if we may, and, and let's start probably from your, um, the first startup that you founded and, and I think then also sold. Um, could mm -hmm. you please tell a little bit about the the journey that you had? And I guess most important mm -hmm. is um, also about the the things that probably didn't go well and how you got yourself out of that again. Because um, mm -hmm. uh, the listeners, um, you know, when you see somebody like yourself, you always think, you know, everything is, you know, great and cool and everything worked well. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. the reality is usually different. So if you can mm -hmm. share one or two stories on that, um, I think that would be really valuable. Cool. Um Maybe first, like I'm still a shareholder, still holder bought, bought seat uh, ah. at Jimdo. So I um, haven't sold it um, to my co-founders running it. And uh, that's that's a pleasure to see him um, continue uh, on the vision and and, and doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe right in the beginning, it's like um, starting a business when you're 16 and still in school. Um I mean, looking back to that time, <laughs> it's kind of obvious that this wasn't the plan in the first place. And mm. that's something relatively playful to start a business while still being in school. I was just interested in computers um, and, and and loved that. And then we were doing websites. And so it, it was kind of playful and um, just a thing to do. It was back in the days, it was 1999, so there was no venture capital, there was no infrastructure, nobody thought startups were cool at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that meant you, you needed to do a lot of the things yourself, but you didn't have a community so much to do this. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily enough, um, we were three um, co-founders, so we kind of 
we, the three of us, we believed in what we're doing. And that was important because back in the time, it was, it was not, as it was not something cool to look up to, to do. I think um, it needed us to believe in the vision and, and give each other confidence. And, and, and that obviously worked out quite well. Um, but, but, but I think it's, it's a different story back then uh, where you don't have the support system you would have today, right? Um, yeah, so I think that, that was, I wouldn't say it was tough, but it was a different time. Hmm. So in, in our previous call, you said um, you need to find something that you love and then stick with it and then just do it, basically. I guess that was probably one of the lessons that you learned there. Yeah, and 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 that, I, I guess every successful founder is actually saying that um, because um, in the end of the day, creating something new is is hard, um, and if you don't love it, you you won't stick to it. And I think sticking to it, I mean, there, there are more things that go wrong that go right, and mm. I think then often the people which are kind of in society regarded as successful are just the ones which stand up one more time often than they fail. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that that's probably generally true um, because you're going through ups and downs and we have plenty of those, right? So it wasn't at some times in the beginning, it wasn't clear that we're going to get to the next financing round and we kind of had the list already of like um, how we needed to let go in which order and in the team and that sort of really shitty situations. Um we, we got over all of them, but um, it was quite a ride, to be honest. Um, but yeah, and it is, um, yeah, I was more a person that um, I really loved it working together with Christian and Matthias, my co-founders. And I think mm -hmm. to have that kind of stronghold to support each other and then obviously the team as well um, was, was a big part of why um, it went so well, I guess. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. And then you took the decision to leave um, or to not mm -hmm. be kind of, you know, actively involved in, in, uh, in Jimdo mm -hmm. anymore. So, so what mm -hmm. kind of, you know, brought that change? You know, it's like, um, I've been then building the company for, for 18 years back then. And um, I felt like um, I wanted to see more and also, Kind of, and back then in the early days of building the company, I was also doing kitesurf competitions and surfing. Um, but then obviously I worked more and more, and so I couldn't train as much. And I always had the dream of like go and surf more and kind of also live up to that dream. Um, and and then I took the decision to step away, which was an informed decision, but it was still harder than I thought because yeah. um, you were in this system of um yeah you have all the people around and yes. it's it's quite fun and enjoyable and i do think that yeah it it has 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 gotten to bigger part than i really thought um to be honest because you you're developing the skills um to 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 do stuff and to build something up and like building something up is a word yeah. i um i do love a lot um so it ended up that I went surfing for two, two, two months, three months. And then I was like, mm, maybe this is not all I want to do. <laughs> like, I still love surfing a lot, but um, uh, there, there's probably more to it, I, I thought. And, and so, um, yeah, then a friend of mine asked um, if he can write a TV concept for me. And he was like, yeah, the likelihood of this is going to work out 
it's pretty pretty low. And I said, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> and it worked out. <laughs> Amazing. So so you or your friend wrote the um, the 10 episodes for the meeting the founders in Asia. And then you basically approached Deutsche Welle. And then they said, yes, this is a good idea. How does that work? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, um, a bit different. But so, so he worked the concept and then kind of um, got in touch with Deutsche Welle. And then I immediately said yes. Uh, and so suddenly it was a thing. And so I met the team for Deutsche Welle. And then I actually started working together with um, five, six journalists from uh, Deutsche Welle, which obviously was totally new for me. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it is totally new in some regard, because um, if you if you're founding a company, then it's basically you're pushing your message, you're shaping that, and you're basically doing that all the time. And then suddenly being host of a TV show is something completely different where it's about you interviewing other people. So it's yeah. about the other people. Yeah. So you're learning a lot. So basically what, what you're doing with me right now, yeah, right? Exactly. So I was in that position um, and, and that was different. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, no, I, I loved it because it was something new. Um, and... And I kind of, my, my rationale behind was kind of maybe a little bit naive. So I was like, okay, cool. 120 days, traveling the world, meeting awesome founders, um, being able to interview scientists, politicians, like literally people all around. I was free. I didn't have a script. So I basically had five journalists planning journeys for me. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I need to do that. And I should learn relatively soon if you're taking the UN Sustainable Development Goals as shells for each of the episodes, that means <laughs> if you want to portray the solution, you also have to shine a light on the problem, mm. obviously, and should have been clear to me that what that means, but I got much clearer along the journey because, um, I mean, this journey really changed my life a lot because as I'm a prototype of a privileged German with the first company and that went successful, um, I suddenly was exposed to the world's biggest problems, like in, in, in a situation where I was interviewing the people which were, yeah, which were, which were hit by the world's biggest problems. And um, I don't know, I can talk, rock you through some of the examples if you, if you want, but um Yeah. yeah, I'd love to. I mean, uh, I just, you know, shared with you before we started this, that uh, this morning mm -hmm. I had uh, time to watch two of those episodes, which uh, which mm -hmm. I find quite, quite touching. And I can only imagine mm -hmm. if you do them. So so could you, you know, share two or three stories that, that kind of, you mm -hmm. know, were the most, you know, the most interesting ones for you, for the lack mm -hmm. of a better word? Yeah, maybe it's, it's worth sharing before. It's like, I mean, I always... I love the outdoors, I love being outside, I love the nature, but um, suddenly I was in these situations. Uh, one, one, for example, we, we did one episode on plastic pollution. Uh, and so um, we filmed that in India and um, we filmed, for example, on the biggest landfill in Delhi. And um, I got to learn that actually... Oh, it's landfill, like you, you need to imagine it's like, it's a mountain, it's a mountain in a city and it's super high. Um, there are birds flying around, actually Indian eagles. So in some ways kind of iconic and then our dogs and cows on that pile of garbage and yeah, obviously it's mixed garbage. Um, it's not really, yeah, it, it, 
well, it's it's hard to describe. And I was walking on there and then I should learn that three days before, before I got there, actually part of this mountain of trash collapsed and, and in a landslide, um, it did bury three people. Oh dear. Dead. Um, and those were rag pickers uh, collecting um, plastic that is still recyclable. And, mm. um, and that gives you a whole different perspective, right? Or I, I did talk to a young rag picker that um, f- for 10 hours straight is kind of searching the dump for usable plastic. And um, then if you think about it, then if you're doing it, doing it for 10 hours a day and he's young and she, he should obviously would be better if he would go to school, then you realize that it's like he's completely trapped, right? Because yeah. um, if he needs to do that for 10 hours, so you don't have any money. So you can't kind of have any time to, to, to learn and to go to school. And therefore it's kind of relatively unlikely that this life will change. And, and yeah, you start to learn about these patterns quite a bit. So we also did one episode on, 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 on work in Bangladesh. You've seen that. And, um, I did run with three days with a boy, which was working in a, in a factory and kind of with a small hammer working on injection molds for sandals. Mm. And, um, and I think it's more like the the patterns and maybe one last example, and that was actually my worst. Um, so we we did one uh, about climate change. So I was um, in central India mm. and um, I got to talk to a farmer and uh, that that farmer had the third year in a row no yield mm. um, and he lost it. Uh, once to a drought, another time to flooding. And I was talking to him and he actually explained that the weather in his words were going extreme. Um, it's not predictable anymore. And the seeding calendar that worked for thousands of years, mm-hmm. when to seed and when to harvest is just not working anymore. Um, and that meant for him that he lost three yields in a row. Mm-hmm. That meant he got into serious debt and couldn't finance his family. And mm-hmm. um what he actually did is that he tried to take his own life um, in, in a rational that so the government at least could support his um, child and his um, wife with some money. And to, to me, um, uh, being there, talking to him, uh, so, sorry, that's not just one story. It's, it's, it's a story that the area is actually called suicide belt because you can draw the correlation between the suicide rate of farmers and the change weather data. So every 42 minutes, a farmer in that area is willing to take his own life. And, um, and then you stand there um, and you talk to someone who clearly hasn't caused climate change, is clearly mm-hmm. suffering from it. Um, and, and then I'm a representative of the global north, of the countries that has done the historic emissions and we still do uh, even though we know what what, what that means yeah. and and it felt like a little bit like two worlds colliding him um like underprivileged i'm super privileged and we suddenly were talking to each other and it was the two worlds colliding in one one rice field in india right so it is um it was hard um and you know who i am to, to say it's hard because like I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on a plane and flying back a- again. But mm. still, it you're learning along the way, and you see problem after problem after problem. And then at a certain point, you 
you, you start to see the patterns of the economy we've been building, mm. what that really means and what effects it has. And yeah, so it was <laughs> it was intense, to be honest. Um, and I'm super glad I was given the chance to do that because normally um, you, you, you don't get the chance to see it in such a frequent time and see so many. So that's a long answer. But yeah, but, um, but a great answer. And for, for the listeners in the in the show notes, you will see the link to uh, to the ten episodes. And I can only recommend to have a look. And mm -hmm. uh, in in the headline, you said basically, you know, sustainable development goals, ten countries, uh, new person. Um, so mm -hmm. it changed you quite mm -hmm. a lot. And I guess that also is the pivot into what you're doing now um, mm -hmm. uh, with Planet A. So so could you mm -hmm. could you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what has changed in your life? <laughs> I mean, I got I got back after that 120 days, and I felt like um, I've seen a bit more than the people around me, um, and um, and, I, and I think that journey has given me one direct answer. Is like it it kind of told me what I don't want to do anymore. So basically, it was quite easy to say, "Hey, I don't know that." conversion optimization company I could invest in is suddenly not as interesting. Um, mm. So, um, and, and so I had a clear, a clear view on where I want to put my resources and time. And so we started building up one company, which is supporting plastic collection initiatives throughout the world. And, um, and then with that, that generally sounds a good, like a good idea, but then we asked ourselves, Hey, does it really make sense to ship, for example, plastic which is collected somewhere in the wild in Asia or in Haiti or so, somewhere ever it really does make sense to, to ship that back to Europe to make something new out of it and to feed it back into a circular system mm -hmm. um, and then I think now something important happened I met a really good scientist and we decided to do the math to mm -hmm. actually to calculate it and for example to stick to that example it, if you take a ton of plastic that is collected in Haiti and you feed it back to Europe you emit another 73 kilograms of, plastic, uh, of CO2 mm -hmm. so not great um, but if you look at the virgin plastic production you emit six and a half tons of CO2 it's like way more mm -hmm. and then obviously the recycling process also takes a lot of energy and re resources but then if you if you end up doing the math correctly you you find out that still you save 53% of CO2 compared to virgin plastic even though you ship it back and so that there's something clicked in my mind where i felt like okay that sort of scientific evidence and you doing the math is not taken into account when when the investment decision is made for for other companies yeah, yeah. so i really realized it's like hey hmm I, I do believe that we can't afford to just put the money um, at any company. I think we nearly need to allocate the money into the right companies. And by meaning the right, I, I mean the ones which are contributing to world within the planetary boundaries, like what our planet can, mm -hmm. can sustain in the long run. And to make this decision informed and good, my realization was like, yeah, we need to take science into account, basically yeah. give science a veto power in the investment decision. Because I, I, I truly believe that it doesn't help if, I don't know, after we made the decision, we kind of paint some pieces of our investment decision, kind of light green or dark green. Yeah. What we really need to do is include science in the decision point in time where we say, we're going to do this or we're not going to do this. Only then we alternate the decision um, to one which is leading towards an economy within the planetary boundaries. And that realization has led me, together with others, to, to build Planet A, 
which is an investment company which which only invests in that sort of companies which are doing really significantly better. And um, yeah, no, it has been a pure joy actually to build that. It was also tough to be honest because mm. in the beginning it was like people were like, "Hey, scientific evidence um, that takes time. It's more costly. All of that." And and now people believe what we believe that in the future there must be a correlation between the future success of a company and also that you're contributing to world within the planetary boundaries. Like that is significantly better than today's economy and also the financial winners of this transformation. I can walk you through some examples where the logic already works, but that's that's a core belief. And um, and um, yeah, maybe, maybe one last thing about it is like whenever we do invest, we also publish the evidence of the investment decision. So the startup then have, has a full-fledged life cycle analyst um, and, and, and has a proof point to, to, yeah, to argue about the difference they're mm. making. That's pretty cool. So just for the listeners, um, Planet A, unfortunately, is fully funded. So, so you can't buy anything anymore. So, so this is not a, an advertising for, for kind of fundraising. Um, that's just, you know, a hygienic thing just to say now. Yeah. But, but I'm just very interested in where kind of, you know, science worked and, and kind of two or three of the theses that you mm -hmm. would like to kind mm -hmm. of approach. Um, mm -hmm. One of your competitors is looking at, you know, the, the project drawdown, you know, and, mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, these major topics in there. Do yeah. you have a similar kind of, you know, guideline that you kind of follow? I mean, yeah, emission drawdown is is a general framework of looking at potential of different technologies, and I think that's only you know, like that that that's that's a great great approach to it um, because it really um, leads to potential, and I'm also a big fan of that. Um, so, what, in the end of the day, what, what what we do is like maybe walk you through one example, mm -hmm. and it becomes more feasible. Um, so, that that's a, for example a company that has invested, uh, invented a new catalyst for green methanol. Mm -hmm. uh, and methanol, as a platform chemistry, you need kind of for, for a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, therefore, it's called platform. So basically, if you want to pinpoint it down, it's like 10% of the global chemistry emissions uh, are coming from the production of green methanol. Mm -hmm. um, while that's not only the only market for methanol, uh, what, what, what's exciting is actually that methanol is also an alternative shipping fuel for container ships, right? Mm -hmm. So um, as, as we need to, to decarbonize container shipping, um, as we need to decarbonize oh, everything, um, that, that's also a huge potential. And green methanol means um, that you need, uh, you use um, as, as green hydrogen, you use renewable energy to produce the, mm -hmm. the, the synthetic fuel. Yeah. And then if you burn it, then you only emit the one, the, the carbon that has been stored inside before. Uh, and to put things into perspective, it's not an alternative to power container ships with batteries because the energy density of batteries is not as high. So it's like way, 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 way much lower. So you wouldn't be able to power a container ship, let's say, from Europe to South America or whatever. Okay. Um, so you need kind of a high density fuel. And so and now the comparison is like what they've been able to, to achieve is that in a supercomputer, super they've been able to come up with a new catalyst, which is far more effective. Instead of having a solid catalyst, they have been able to um, create a catalyst which is then in the liquid. So if mm -hmm. this syn gas, the, the 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 gas to react, is then can can re react in the in the liquid and has a greater surface area and mm -hmm. therefore is more effective and therefore can lower the pressure and the temperature which is normally needed in in the process. And so 
you can cut quite a bit of the green premium by the energy savings through the new process. Okay. Um, and so what we would do then generally is like look at that and then would look at the methanol production normally um, or the container uh, fossil fuels and then compare that with the invention of a startup and then put it side, to side by side. And then we can literally say how much better is it in terms of uh, climate um, um, climate effects and, and greenhouse gas equivalents and waste reduction, resource mm -hmm. efficiency, and biodiversity protection. So that, that that's one example. Yeah, and another quick one would be a company called Traceless, which I believe has won the most the most prizes this year in okay. in, in 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 the ecosystem, and they are doing a um, a plastic alternative based on. Um, secondary waste streams of the food production, basically byproducts of the food production. And okay. that, that's super important since uh, the problem normally with bioplastic is that you create extra fields to grow biomass, which you then mm -hmm. convert into a bioplastic. Yeah. And that's actually even worse because you need to cut down more trees, more land use. Like we're really short on land on Earth. Uh, you won't believe it, but it is... It, it is as it's really bad. Um, and so by using secondary streams, it's super effective. Mm -hmm. And then this material has this sort of intelligence, which I think is super nice because like plastic is, as, as we all know, is, is, is wonderful. Like, yeah. I don't know, you're using a, a microphone and I'm sitting here in front of a computer with lots of plastic and yeah. we, uh, it just works. But then also these functionalities, then obviously if you want to have it to degrade really fast um, this is this is the worst part of it and uh, what's important or what's, what's cool about um traceless is that the material has a sort of intelligence they don't rework the polymer structure not as much as with other bioplastics um so that nature can actually recognize the polymers still and can digest them in a, in a better way so whenever it comes in contact with water and microorganisms it degrades really really quickly mm -hmm. Um, and so that that's that's great. And so we can do packaging, coatings, and even injection moldings with the material. So um, yeah, that's super interesting. And by then comparing it to virgin plastic, which is so bad also for environment, also from a CO2 perspective, then yeah. you can see that side by side and then you can evaluate it. Sorry, long answers, but uh, that, no, that, that will be... <laughs> I think these things are fascinating and I can, you know, only recommend have a look at the website if, um, if mm -hmm. you know, all the evidence is there and, you know, mm -hmm. some people might want to geek out there and, uh, and mm -hmm. you know, read yeah, a little bit do. more on that. <laughs> and um, so I think this is super important that, you know, people like yourself are, are putting your time and effort into, into these things. Probably mm -hmm. one thing also worth mentioning, you are, you know, advising the government in the sustainable finance um, uh, uh, Beirat. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so, so what led you there? You know, you, you're kind of you're doing everything, you know, like building companies where you can build websites, then, you know, traveling the world, being a TV host, now building a fund management firm and then advising the government. So, so, so how did you get to that one? Yeah, funny, funny enough. Um, so mm, the woman who's now um, leading the German advisory board, um, she got back to me, she has heard about my work and we've been in touch before and she asked me to apply. Um, and so, I mean, basically, I think um, what we really, like on a holistic view, it's like we need to channel more money into the right things, right? So mm -hmm. um, back to, um, 
And I think Bill Gates kind of framed it quite nicely in his book. We need to change everything what we do. So uh, what we eat, how we get around, mm -hmm. uh, how we plug in, how we produce energy, uh, how we live and how we manu manufacture things. And and obviously um, this is about money and 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 we need to make it happen. I think, um, I mean, it's obvious and I've seen it myself with, on this travel, but we need to get it done as fast as possible. And what, what's then interesting about the finance sector is, is like it's touching all these areas, right? So you, yeah. you have this big lever to, to, to at least, um, yeah, touch all the different industries. So I do believe that changing, changing financing patterns is then a big, a big one. And so, I mean, job number one is obviously plan and A to make it successful. Um, and then um, this voluntary work on, on the German advisory board is to change the, the framework or to advise to change the framework on how to do financing. And the thing I'm, I'm focusing on in there, um, it's like, it's the first time now two persons, Elizabeth and me, are um, representing the venture capital and startup scene. Mm -hmm. Was seen is the wrong word um, that that part of the economy. Yeah. Um, and so I, as 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 now, um, maybe to connect it to the first point, it's like um, software alone won't won't cut it, right? So it's it's more than just uh, financing software companies. Even though I've been big on this um, with my first company, but. It's, it's not going to do the change we need. So yeah. then it's about hardware financing. And that is, from financing's point of view, like lots of the PCs don't like hardware um, for, for reasons, like for understandable reasons, because it's not as easy to scale. If you get software right, then you can scale your servers and then basically it works. Yeah, It's a different thing, for example, coming back to the trace example, uh, traceless example, it's like um, at some point you invent something in a lab and it starts to work. But then you can't go from there directly to a commercial plan where you have this yeah. huge thing. Yeah. So you need to scale. Yeah. And so you have additional risk in scaling a technology, meaning from like the lab, you go to a prototype or demonstration plan. And then yeah, you go one step more and one step more. And so you do have an additional risk in doing that. And obviously a lot of capital costs. Yeah. And because the machines and the processes might not work out the way they used to work out in, mm -hmm. in the lab, right? So, yeah. so you will encounter new problems in scaling the technology. And and so th that that's a point um, uh, I zoom in and um, try, yeah, try to, to, to actually first shine a light on the problems and, and, and scaling of these companies and then also propose potential actions we can take. Mm -hmm. um, and there are several ones. There are guarantees from European Investment Bank. The Scrolls Fund is strategic off-take agreements from, um, uh, yeah, for, for, from, from big um, players. Um, so, so all that sort of stuff. If you like, I've, I've written a piece in, in the Handelsblatt about it. So maybe oh, yeah. you want to link it as well. But yeah, we that, that's kind of the perspective um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to work on. And it's, let, let me point it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a different form of work, obviously, than in an organization you've built yourself. This is much more about, um, yeah, Policy work. <laughs> Amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool. And uh, um, it shows kind of, you know, how versatile you are in, in, in what you do, basically. But, you know, what's next? You know, like when Planet A is working, um, mm -hmm. you're still very young. 
Um, so <laughs> what is, uh, you know, what's happening? What's coming? Do you know that already? Or? <laughs> uh, that, that's a good one. I, I, I think first, it's about showing that the correlation between scientific evidence and how much better of a company really is and also to financial success for us to prove that this correlation is true and, and that more people look at that and copy it hopefully right so yeah. it's it's kind of funny it is in some some case it's it's our usp because we put out the scientific evidence mm-hmm. uh, but as well i want it to be copied because um basically we need to take more informed investment decisions i think the state of the world as we see it is also a result of that we didn't took really informed investment decisions yeah and we didn't know it all the time, but since a long time, we know that we should do that. And and therefore, I, I want this to be copied, hopefully. And we also actually, my, my co-founder, Lena, she's also working with other VCs, which are generally interested in our methodology and how we do that. Mm-hmm. And so we, 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 we do that and we give that away. So... I know. For me, it's like I'm happy to continue to build pl- Planet A and also happy to do more of the policy work um, and um, hopefully to see that we really can make a difference. Um, I, I think, honestly, it has been quite busy times for me the past three years or four years, five years, and, and, and also before. But like, um, it is, um, it's great in some regards because... Um, you can help the real heroes of the story, which I think are the founders, which have, are brave enough to do that. And luckily enough, we have investors that back the thesis of scientific investment. Um, and so I'm happy to continue to go down that path. And last but not least, you're also a podcaster. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, we started a podcast with um, Brand Eins. Um, it's uh, unfortunately in German, so it's only for German speakers then. Yeah, but um, basically, I, I do believe that um, in order to to come to an, to an economy within the planetary bonus, therefore we call the podcast also planetary. Um, it's about shining a light on future solutions that it not only that we know we need to give up something so we can also see a positive alternatives coming up and see them unfold. And so what we do in the podcast is that um, we look at several approaches and for example, in energy or synthetic fuels or biodiversity, or like lots of those topics. Mm-hmm. And then we speak to a lot of different people yeah. and also to scientists and then we bring it back together to say, hey, these are things which can come together and so we build up a positive version of what needs to happen and which is i think more concrete so yeah in, in a short time we will see a lot of different alternatives put together also with with evidence um what that could look like in the future and i think the goal really is to inspire there and to see that the world within the planetary boundaries is possible superb and also the link will be in the in the notes of the podcast thank you so much for your time was a real pleasure. I enjoyed that. A roller coaster <laughs> yeah, of life you have. And uh, and wish you all the best. And uh, wherever I can help you, I will be there. Thank you so much. Yeah, cool. Andreas, thanks a lot. This is the end of today's episode. But stay tuned. Many more interesting topics are yet to come. And don't forget to hit the follow button to never miss a new and exciting episode of our podcast, Important Problems.